Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober. An unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. just received a text from Alan. Go on then. He's not coming. Why? I'm not sure why, but he says something's going on more than his teenagers got dropped off at sports or something boring like that. If we could sack him, would we sack him? Mm. <laughs> we don't have any power. No. And we need him. Well, we don't pay him, so we can't sack him. That's just difficult. It's difficult <laughs> to sack someone from an unpayable job. We'd say, you're sacked. He'd be like, I don't give a shit. I don't do anything anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I bet he was a naughty teenager, don't you oh, reckon? Could he be more miserable than he is now? Imagine <laughs> Alan going through those moody teenage years. Maybe he's still, oh. a, te- maybe he's still a teenager. I bet he had long hair. He used to sit in his bedroom a lot. Yeah, a lot a lot of Linkin Park. <laughs> yes. A lot of holes in his walls, just some smashed them out. When his, right, has he got siblings? He probably has siblings. Yes, he does, yeah. yeah. There's probably yeah, a few holes in the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What about you? Were you were you a bad teenager? No, I was all right. I mean, I was quite grumpy. I think I was a little bit naughty and rebellious, as as we know. Um, I think the naughtiest thing I ever did was steal lipstick from Boots. That was kind of scary. Of course, yeah. I smoked and bunked off school and did other all sorts of... I did steal a car once. Okay, hang on a minute. <laughs> you stole uh, a car once, but stealing lipstick yeah. from Boots was the worst thing you yeah. ever did. <laughs> Somebody I knew, I knew them, so I didn't feel like it was bad, but they did report it to the police. 
How long did you have it for? Oh, just a few hours. <laughs> did you did you go joyriding? No, I talked. Well, I did, and I yeah, I stole the permit off my mum's car, and she I got in more trouble for that because the car that I had actually stolen off my mate didn't have a permit on it. Oh, so you put so that I stole in... my mum's permit, and then I got stopped by the police, and it had my mum's permit on it, and I got in big trouble for that. Oh my god! So yeah. what was what was? I don't that? think I've ever spoken about this. <laughs> how was this? Not, how does this not the first thing we spoke about before? Boots? Well, because I didn't really get in trouble for it. I always thought it was quite funny that I'd got away with it and I'd just stolen someone's car for a couple of hours and got in trouble with my parents. But I just thought it was quite funny. So you're more trouble from your parents than yes. from the police. Yes, the police. I didn't get in any trouble at all. I just said it's my friend's car and here's my permit. <laughs> but then they called my mum and said <laughs> I was really young. I just thought it was hilarious. So there how you go. Old? 18, probably. Oh, so you yeah. at least had a driving licence. Yeah, I had a driving licence, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds pretty bad now, but I did steal a lot of sweets from people's satchels at school as well. No one no. cares about the sweets <laughs> that you stole. You nicked a car. Basically, basically it wasn't really I wasn't like joyriding in a hoodie at night down the motorway. You're like Grand Theft Auto, you yeah. stole cars. No, I was just kind of driving around the countryside laughing with my other mate. Just It was kind of a joke, but yeah. It doesn't sound very funny now, does it? <laughs> What about you? Are you naughty? I don't want to tell you mine now. You stole <laughs> your, the car. Yours are going to be like, I stole an orange of Mr. Peterson next door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so mine, I was actually right as a teenager. I wasn't too bad. I mean, obviously boozing at school. I was at boarding school. So mm. like the quest to get booze took up most of our thought process. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of stealing, drinking booze in woods and hiding it under our beds. But where and- did you get the booze from? We would get a Tesco delivery to a random address in right. town yeah. and we'd be waiting outside the front of the house. Clever. So that they didn't knock on the door and, you know, giant blogs opened up. Yeah. God, that's so pretty that. smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or I would get the train to York Station. So we'd get the earlier train than the school one. Yeah. Run to the um the offy, buy the booze, put it you'd bring like an empty um wheelie bag. Oh yes. And then the wheelie bag would have all the booze, then you'd get on the school bus. What's with the, the wheelie Yeah, that was it. Yeah. What have you got lot. in there, young Hamish? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of booze at school. That was probably one of the things. I did a French exchange, which was kind of a cop-out because I can speak fluent French anyway. Yeah. But we got to go to, fr- uh, to Paris for like three weeks. and I just didn't go to any classes. Oh, yeah, didn't, nice. Didn't go to a single one. That's not too naughty. No, well, well, but we spent the time smoking Lucky Strike cigarettes. Oh, we? Because they had a fun box. Not boulas no, in cafes no, with berets on. Completely cliche. <laughs> but they had a fun box where the Lucky Strike emblem stuck out from the pack. And if you twisted it left or right, kind of like a yo-yo stuck in a box. But if you twist it left or right, the cigarettes would come out left or right oh, of the box. Yes. So that was... That was way too much for me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was like, "Wow, that's amazing! That makes me want to smoke cigarettes." I bet you had a Zippo lighter in those days as well. That was the most badass thing. Yeah, that was, and you could light it on your trouser leg, be like, flick the lid back. My my parents were like, "Why do you want a Zippo lighter? You don't smoke cigarettes." I was like, "Yeah, but I want one." Everybody goes through the Zippo lighter stage, I think, don't they? Yeah, you want cowboy boots or some sort of biker boot plus a Zippo lighter to show to to, to (laughs) quickly paint a picture just how uncool I was because I never really smoked. I did during that trip, but I never really smoked. But I would own a lighter so that if girls needed a light in the uh, smoking area, well, it wasn't even smoking areas, was it? it was just anywhere. Yeah. I'd go, yeah, I've got one. Oh, and that, do you smoke? No. But I've got a lighter for you. That's and there's weird. my in to a conversation. Yeah. No, I never, I'm not a single girl ever kissed me because I lit her cigarette. <laughs> um, okay, I've got a couple actually. So the heavy roller incident, which you're interested in. Yeah, what is a so heavy roller incident? A heavy incident? roller is. 
I guess you'd use it more like a cricket pitch to flatten the pitch. Oh, yes, so I like get a, it, yeah. Almost like a big round stone yes. with a handle attached and you push it to and fro. Yeah. We, our house at school was at the top of a hill and they just built this sort of guard, this f- wooden fence around the outside of the garden. And we thought it'd be funny to let it go from the top of the hill Ooh. and see if it could make it through the fence. Oh, wow. And we filmed it. And, and it, it did. did. Yeah, yeah. And it did. It was actually, it did make it through the fence. And our housemaster, who could be quite angry, we showed him the video and even he cracked up. Oh, did he? That, that is, that is <laughs> well brilliant. Well done, boys. Yeah, that is quite good. <laughs> it reminds me of the time I stole a floor buffing machine I'm from surprised. the Big Beat Boutique on the last night from Fatboy Slim. <laughs> I'm going to keep an eye on all of my stuff here. Yeah, yeah. In case you nick I was it. a thief. Yeah. yeah, and I got I had it halfway up Brighton Seafront when the bouncers chased me. Oh, said, no. Bring the four buffer back. <laughs> um, and my last one was I was in. This is such a good story. I was in Africa. Mm, of course, overla- of course over, you were. Yeah, yeah. On like an overland truck trip, two and a half months. It was all camping. Yeah. Cool. And I was 19 in Namibia. There is a thing called the Fish River Canyon. So the Fish River Canyon. I think I'm right in saying it's the second biggest canyon after the Grand Canyon. Big, beautiful space. And we were 19, there were four of us. So we're like, let's get naked at sunset and take a photo in the Fish River Canyon. So we did that. And then when we crossed the border from Namibia into South Africa, these armed police came onto our truck and they said, you four, get off. And they took us outside and they're holding guns to us. They said, bring your camera. You took a photo of you naked in the Fish River Canyon National Park. It's a sacred space that is illegal. We're going to take you to prison. So we're all bricking 19. We're bricking it. Turns out our tour leader had tipped off the police as a joke. He said, these four just like play, like go hard on them. And all the truck knew it. And they're all looking at us out the window, absolutely pissing themselves. Oh my God, that's quite mean. It is. Well, it's quite good though, isn't it? It is a good one. How long did they go on at you before you realised it? Probably like five minutes, I reckon. (laughs) Five minutes. They didn't do any cavity searches in that time. No, no, no. That's all right then. No, they didn't didn't get the mirror in between our legs and see if there's any stuck up there. Oh gosh, yeah. But yeah, that's getting arrested in Africa is a good time. Yeah, that is a a good story. Yeah, Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're talking about today, isn't it, Hamish? Teenagers. Yes. So leading on from our parenting episode, we wanted to do a follow-up about how we talk to our kids about booze once they're a little bit more grown up. Do you tell them about your past or do you pretend it never happened? Hmm. I've chosen this theme due to my own selfish purposes, Hamish, today. This is something that I am facing soon. My eldest is nearly 11, nearly a teen in two years. My kids are getting older and I have no idea how to approach this subject with them. I'm at a loss at how much to tell them. Yeah, I'm not sure that telling them about the time you blew off your finger with a firework after downing buckets of Thai whiskey will help them graduate uni. Yeah, unfortunately, they already know about that one. But it yeah. is hard to miss. It is hard to miss. I wonder if they'll listen to the podcast one day. You know, if they did, that you would never have to have the conversation about booze. They know everything. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know whether I want them to know everything. Researching this topic meant I got to learn on the go, though, which was good. I hope my exploration into the very awkward teenage mind will make this conversation a little easier for everyone when the time comes. It's basically an episode structured to help me to be a better parent. Is that all right with you? It's very selfish of you, Vic, but I will let you off because I too will be making mental notes and jotting tips in my notebook. As terrifying as it is to think of my baby becoming a teenager, he's, what, six months now? So we're 12 years away. Yeah. Yeah, but I have to prepare myself. I've got 
far longer than you have to prepare this conversation. Yeah, don't worry too much yet, Hamish. I know, I'm not going to start panicking. There's enough. (laughs) There's enough to panic about between now and then. There is, yeah. The reason that I want to discuss this topic today is because I need a plan, basically. Having a plan means that I won't need to worry about what to do in the future and I can structure a conversation, have everything firmly in place. We hope this will take some worry away from you and mean your kids have an understanding about the dangers of alcohol and what it means if they choose to drink on a night out. Yeah. So how much do your kids already know, Vic? Well, this is a good question. I think George knows more than I thought he knew because I think he (laughs) listens. Because it gets to a point where you think your kids can't understand anything you're saying for years and years and years. And then suddenly their ears start to prick up and you realise they are logging in yeah and they know what you're on about and they're from no matter where they are in the house they come in and go oh i heard you what you said about next door and they know about stuff they shouldn't know about Mm -hmm. because you think you're having private conversations but you're not so i'm not sure how much they know i know george probably knows more than i imagine i know that nelly at school she says my mummy has a blog called drunk mummy soda mummy good (laughs) But I'm not sure I really want her to tell her Maybe little school Maybe a better friends. name than Drunk Mummy Sober Mummy. Yeah. We might have a rebrand. I mean, it's my email address with the school is Drunk Mummy Sober Mummy. Yeah, okay. I, well, I do often wonder what people think about that, but then I have to get to a point where I don't really care. It's better than Sober Mummy Drunk Mummy. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. George knows I'm sober and he knows what I do is to do with being sober. And the kids all know that most parents drink apart from us, which... I'm not sure they care about. Yeah. I don't think they think us as being more boring or anything else. I just think they know that we don't drink. Mm-hmm. George knows that drinking made me unwell. Whenever he asks me about it, I do say drinking made me feel sick and that's why I stopped it. It made me not be such a good mummy. I think he does know yeah, that. That's good. That's, that's, and that's a, really that's a version of the truth. Yeah, that's it's kind good. of the tip of the yeah. iceberg, isn't it? And I think that's all he needs to know for now. They know a lot about alcohol because I do discuss it a lot, but I've never actually sat them down and told them on an individual basis what alcohol is and why they shouldn't. I've never really had a proper conversation yeah. with them about it yet. Why do you think that is? I am worried that if I get preachy about it and they drink, they will feel like they need to hide it from me. Yeah. So that is my issue. I'm scared of that. And it is a quandary, Hamish, because I don't know what is a safe amount of information for them to hear and what is too much. Mm. Do you tell the truth then or not? That's the question, isn't it? That's the big one. Or how much of the truth do you tell? That's what we want to get into today. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for a parent to know how much children are told. I mean, it's a really, really Mm. difficult subject because you don't want to tell them too much, but you want them to be aware of certain things. I mean, are you a hypocrite if you don't fess up to your teens about your past behaviour and if you force them to obey rules that you did not obey? Or are you sanctioning behaviour on their part if you do tell them about your past with warts and all? Oh, warts and all, I don't know. Yeah, God, it's a bit much. So, Vic, let's discuss the first option. Pretend you never touched a drop, that you attended church each Sunday and did flower arranging in your spare time as a teen. Basically, lie to the kids and pretend none of it happened. Oh, yes, I'm definitely up for that. (laughs) That sounds like the ideal situation, I reckon, Hamish, don't you? No. Lying to the children all day, every day? (laughs) Yeah, that's what you just do already when you tell them how much you love them. Yeah. <laughs> or they love you love them all equally. Yeah. I do love them all equally on different days. So I always say to them, yeah, I do love you all equally, but there are days when I love one of you more than the other. So it all levels out in the end. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, I'm enjoying the fact that I do have a favourite child. Now. Yes. I don't know how, if I can still say that once the second one comes along. My grandmother always used to say to my dad, you always love your firstborn more. And my dad is the second child. <laughs> 
yeah, so lying is definitely my favourite option, Hamish. Mm. This is the one I'm going for. Denial. I love a bit of denial and lies. Perfect. <laughs> Can we just stick to that? Is that all right? Can we end the podcast now? That's it. Thank you very much for listening. Go out there and lie to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> Happy That's our advice. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not going to allow you to do a runner just yet, Vic. What happens if you lie to your children? Now, the evidence suggests that kids may become more dishonest with us. And not only that, when we make a practice of telling children lies, kids may be at a higher risk of developing aggressive and antisocial behavioural problems. Oh, dear. I often worry about the lies that we all tell our kids. Yeah. I'm talking the man with the white beard. Yes, so we have to um, give a trigger warning yeah, here. Yeah, like, this exactly. Turn this down in the car, or put yes. your headphones on because there's I'm any young'uns in there. talking about what happens when you lose a T-O-O-T-F. <laughs> yeah. H-F. <laughs> <laughs> like when you can't spell. Yes, I'm talking about who hides all the chocolate in your garden at Easter. Yes. With our, our bunny friends. I do worry about that, but again, it's an age thing, isn't it? I think there's an age where they become more aware, which is what we're talking about today, mm. is they're aware of your lying. Yes. And the impact that that has. So there's a point where the man in the red hat becomes difficult to believe. Mm. So your lies start to fall apart, don't they? Yeah. See, I was the youngest child. So I figured that when I found out it was okay because everyone knew. Yeah. Whereas if your oldest finds out and then has to keep the lie going for the younger two, like when George finds out. Yes. Then it's a very difficult dynamic in the house. Yeah. Because you kind of then, probably for the first time in your life, you're probably telling your son to lie to his siblings. Exactly. And that's not a great message, is it? No. No. Yeah, so lying would be good, Hamish. I was hoping to lie through my teeth and never have to tell them my dirty secrets. But I guess all they would have to do would be to steal a pair of headphones and log on to Spotify and find Sober Awkward to find Mm. out those. Have you ever lied to your parents, Hamish? Okay, so interesting question, given that they might be listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess that my big one was the shame story that I told in a previous episode about telling them that I didn't throw up at oh, this big yes. fancy house. That was quite a sweet story, when really. I, when I actually did. And then them arguing on my behalf, and we know it wasn't Ham, he told us and he wouldn't lie. Yeah. So yeah, that was my big lie that still grates me. But that's also sets you up as not being a liar then, doesn't it? Because you never really, you revealed the truth eventually. Yeah, yeah, to about So also hours. by that point, how old were you then? Uh, 15, 14, 15. So they know you're capable of lies by that point. Yeah. Okay, right. Another one that they believe, and I've never argued otherwise, more my mum, she's convinced that I drink a lot less than all of my friends. Now I definitely do, but, yeah. but before that I drank a lot less than my friends because growing up I used to get these terrible um, headaches. Yes, right. I missed a lot of school as a kid because I'd wake up with room spins and I'd get dizzy and I'd right. have um, migraines and I'd do all these tests and you go into hospital yeah. and they fill up one of your ears with warm water yeah. until you throw up and they're watching what? you. Yeah, so they watch me like, my, like me go white and then my skin go green and then I'm throwing up and they're writing down sort of watch the reaction. And I remember throwing up all the way. Like we drove over one of the big bridges in London on the way home. Let's pull over on the bridge for me to throw up again. And they invited me back the next week to do it with cold water in my other ear. And my mum was like, no, nah, we're not having that. So putting water in your ears makes you yeah, vomit? Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. That is awful. Yeah, just one ear. It's to do with your... Um, Balance, Balance, yeah, your liquid or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I I was always sick as a child. And as a result of that, I think my mum thought that maybe drinking affected me more, hangovers affected me more because I've always had these headaches. And so she sort of thinks, he doesn't, you know, Haim doesn't drink like the rest of them drink. 
And I've never argued. I'm happy for her to believe that. (laughs) So it's not a lie, but I'm not correcting something that's not necessarily true in her mind. Yeah, and if she thinks of you as the good boy, that's always going to be beneficial for you, isn't it? Yeah, it only has good good outcomes for me. Yeah. And what did they discover was the reason for the headaches? Small small brain? They yeah, that was it. Tiny. Oh, like a tiny little like a walnut. Just going to my huge cock. (laughs) That was the issue. Just lightheaded all the time. (laughs) Especially when you were excited. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Very attractive female nurse did the test. I thought, this is it. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> Didn't have to put water in your ear that time. Oh, dear. Yeah. I, I what about you? I, you? I don't know, really. I was trying to think about this one. My lies as a kid were very minuscule. They were like small things. Mm. I mean, I've said that, but stealing a car came up. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're lying to yourself, Hivik. <laughs> yeah. Well, my first one was I used to lie because my mum used to make us all of these weird foods because she loved cooking. So she'd test out, we were like the guinea pigs and she would test out all of her weird concoctions on us as growing up as kids. And one of them, I just remember it clearly, was the rice pudding. She'd made this disgusting rice pudding and I just remember eating it and then spitting it in the toilet and coming out with my bowl going, oh yes, it was lovely. But I used to do that a lot. Lying for good manners is an okay lie to tell. And she used to cook some awful things, so I used to have to always learn to lie about them. Mm-hmm. I told them once that I was going to a disco when I was going to a rave. Yeah, okay. <laughs> when I was about 14, yeah, which they that's did find cool. out about. Well, a disco and rave, that's sort of the same thing. Yes, yeah, sort of. Disco at the Village Hall, massive rave in London. Yeah, Dif- yeah. A okay. little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I lied to them about blowing my finger off. For say? many, many years. They've only found out recently by listening to this podcast that... What? Yeah, because I told them it was somebody threw a firework at me. Yeah, because okay. for insurance purposes, that's what I had to say. I was too embarrassed to tell them that I'd actually lit it myself. Yeah. And actually, we haven't really had a discussion about it, but they've listened to this podcast and they must know that now that I'd actually blew it off myself when I was drunk. But the whole story for years and years and years was that some random stranger threw one at me. So, yeah, I still feel bad about that. I think that. if I was going to lie about that, I would have done a better lie. Yeah. Like a child ran in front of a car and I threw myself in front of it. Yeah. And my finger fell off, but the child <laughs> walked just away ran safely. over one very tip <laughs> yeah. of my finger. Yeah. I often told so many like small little white lies just about not doing homework yeah. and little things like that, where I'd been or if I'd been drinking booze with my mate next door or smelt of cigarettes, I'd lie and say that, oh, her mum smokes or something like that. How um, many of these did they cotton on to? Well, I think they were pretty, they, they seemed to believe me most of the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether they just assumed that they were all lies and just let me get on with it. I don't really know. But I never really wanted to disappoint them, so I just kind of kept on lying until they found out. But I did always get caught out. They did find out. I mean, if some of kids comes in smelling of cigarettes, the parents yeah. must know. I realise that now, but at the time I thought I was kind of winging it and getting away with just it. Just covered in links. Yeah. And chewing gum. Yeah. yeah. And I just always used to break things and lie about that, and they always knew it was me. So just generally, I don't think they trusted me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, our kid lies never really worked. But what about parent lies? Apart from your dodgy past, are there things, apart from your car thieving past, are there things you currently bend the truth about? To my kids? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I basically lie quite a lot to my kids, which isn't correct. But there are some times you've got to survive. Got to survive, man. Happy mum, happy child. Exactly. (laughs) I tell them often that the park's closed, Mm -hmm. which I say that there's work being done or the the workmen are there and and the swings aren't working. I hate going to the park. (laughs) 
All right. Yeah, I can't be bothered to push them on a swing and say, well done, going down a slide. <laughs> After the first child, it's like, oh, well done, darling. Third one, it's like, can you push me on a slide? No. Yeah. I just cannot be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> you can judge me all you like, listeners. <laughs> but I am being truthful. The other one I lie about is the man. Tell me about the man. So if they're being naughty, I say, <laughs> the man's coming. <laughs> Okay. And the man is like somebody who doesn't exist, yeah. like a sort of devil, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. a scary. I just imagine this kind of scary, big, hairy man, yeah, like a bit like John. Yeah, and I say John's not that hairy. Yeah, he's, he's very, not a lot of hair on his head. Not on his head, <laughs> no. But his body is very, very hairy. <laughs> Have you not seen his hairy body? No. Oh, he is. A, he is like a thick fur man. Is he? Yes. Okay. He's massively furry. <laughs> he's like a carpet. So um, tall. Version of John. Tall version of with John. Hair on his head as well. And more aggressive looking. Yeah. So the yeah. man is somebody I lie to my children about, say, if you are naughty now, the man is coming. And sometimes mm. I point like I can see him. Yeah. Say, the man's coming, the man's coming. And does that still work on them? All three of them are afraid of the man? No, the littlest only works when up okay. until about four. Yeah, yeah and they <laughs> yeah. caught on. Because they really freak out. Yeah. yeah. And they don't know who the man is either, which makes it even worse. Yeah. I often tell them that Santa won't come if they don't brush their teeth. Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> is that's that allowed? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, only in December, I would say. Yes, you yes. You can't be using that in June. Oh, true, true, yeah. yeah. I say that I'm going home without them quite a lot if they're at the park or if they just won't get in the car and they're being annoying. I'm like, right, I'm off. Mm. I mean, all parents do that one. Have you ever dropped them off in the car halfway through a car journey? No. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> that happened to us as kids and my dad... My dad's got an amazing story about that. So they got they were pissing around the back of the car. Yeah. He said, right, you're walking home from here. And he kicked them out of the car. So it was my dad and his brother. Oh, yeah. And my, my uncle, who's older than my dad, sat on this bank just crying for ages. Oh, no. And my dad very happily sat down and started making um, daisy chains. Oh, yeah. Loved yeah, it. Really happy. <laughs> yeah. I think in the old days, you would probably drop off your kids somewhere and leave them for a couple of hours. Yeah. I think now people would just be too You wouldn't even do it as a threat. You wouldn't pull over the car and be like, right, get out. No, I, don't, I wouldn't okay, want to scare them good. that much. Okay. No. The man is enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's your line. Um, sometimes I tell them that the tune on the ice cream van means they've run out of stock. <laughs> That is brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, just so that they think there's none left. <laughs> That's bad luck again. <laughs> yeah, bad luck. He's finished. Just as he'd come round the corner, look, he's just come on. <laughs> They've sold out. Yeah, pretty mean, but necessary, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can't afford ice cream every time it comes past. No, exactly. Bloody drives past all the time, that thing. <laughs> what lies do you tell, Hamish? I suppose with Sonny, you can't tell yeah, too many lies. Yeah, with Sonny, it's still, it's still too soon, really. But I do have... An absolute jaffer of a lie that I used to get told from my parents. Yeah. Which is that circuses are for teenagers. Oh, uh, yeah. So, because we lived near Clapham Common, which had a circus every summer. Right. And we used to, we want to go to the circus. There's lots of pictures of clowns and everyone's going, we want to go to the circus. My mum, can't guys, circuses are for teenagers. Mm. And then we're like, oh, fair enough. And then we go to, we go to school on Monday, we're like, oh, we didn't go to the circus, that's for teenagers. Everyone in the classroom's been to mm. the circus. That is not fair. It's good, isn't it? So... The year afterwards, you would say everybody else went to the circus. Like, why can't we go? Yeah, Did you use I, it for I many years? I actually think I remembered. <laughs> I don't think, yeah. I don't think I remembered it long enough to get in the car that night and be like, everyone went. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like next year. Like, can we go to the circus again? <laughs> I'm the only 13 year old in there. <laughs> Three year olds crying at lions. <laughs> yeah. Here's one. And this is more of a lie to my wife that I've thought about doing, but I haven't done yet. Okay. okay. I thought about not telling her that I've finished work yet in order to leave the office and get some other work done, like my own admin and stuff, at a cafe near home instead okay, of coming yes. straight home. Because when you come home, mm. then 
It's on. Yeah, on. yeah, mm. yeah. There's no time to actually do things that I need to do. So I'm either at work or at home. I can't get things done. I feel guilty doing stuff at home when Jesus like needs help with all the things that we do at home. How long would you be in the cafe for? I don't know. Would I've, you have a would you have a cronut while you were there? I would like a cronut. Yeah. Anytime. I, I would say the actual act of doing work in the cafe is okay, but I would say it depends on what you eat while you're there and if I'd be jealous of it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But one of the reasons I can't do that is she does track my phone. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. is a psychopath. Yeah. Block her. So, block her. I know well, weirdly, I when I bought her engagement ring, I did have to block her. Oh, yeah. I block her, so otherwise she knew I was at the jewellery shop. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I did I did block her there. And I can see myself beginning to tell more white lies because I'm not brave enough to say no to things without an excuse. Okay, yes. So I think that is going to be my go-to because I'm I'm better at saying no now um, and you can use the baby as the excuse. Yes. Um, but I'm still not good at it. So I, like, if you said, do you want to come for dinner? I can't, I can't just go, no. No, okay. You yeah. have to have an excuse and there aren't always excuses, yeah. so I'll just make up the excuses. And if you did say no, I'll just be like, well, what's your fucking excuse, mate? That'd come be on. It. And I've yeah. got to think on the, on the spot really quick. <laughs> yeah. oh, my my, child, my yes. child's got diarrhoea. <laughs> I'll be like, what? That is a total lie. <laughs> I know you now. In fact, we're revealing a bit too much in this podcast today, yeah. aren't we? Because we, no, are. we can never lie to each other no. now because we will know. And if I steal your car, you'll, if your car goes missing, you'll know who's, know got, exactly it. who's got it. I'll be wheel spinning out of your drive. See you later, losers. <laughs> With my hoodie on. If you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast, we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love. By buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month, we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message. By joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Well, it seems we're both partial to a bit of fibbing, Hamish, some harmless, undramatic fabrications. But when it comes to the big stuff, why are we so scared about them knowing about our past actions? What are you worried Sonny will find out about you? Okay, so I'm not too worried that there's any specific thing that Sonny will find out about my past. But what I am worried about is the day that he realises I'm just making it up. Like the day <laughs> I'm not... I remember my, my parents, my dad used to make us call him Daddy My Hero and Mummy My Darling. And like the day that Daddy My Hero dies is a day that I'm afraid of. Because for me, that day still hasn't come for my dad. Like my dad is still Aww. this like inhumane, perfect guy. To give you an example, we went out, I remember I was really young. This was such an important day. Really young and mum was away. So dad was like, dad can't cook. He was like, hey, I'm Ferg, we're going out to um, fish and chips. Went to fish and chips and when they brought the bill, they hadn't charged us for half the stuff that we'd eaten. So it was like half the price of what it should be. Any other human that I know, including myself, 100 times out of 100, amazing. We've got away with it, pay and go. Yeah. Dad like, called the wait waiter over, said, look, you actually have missed this, this and this. Please take it back and add it onto the bill. Nice. And then paid. I was like, that, I'll never do that. I will never be as good as that man yeah, is. Yeah, that's pure honesty. Yeah, yeah. but Sonny will figure me out quick <laughs> and he'll go, okay, you're just bullshitting. That's the day that I fear. I I don't think you're bullshitting though. Like, I don't think, I think you are your dad. I think but, you're oh, that person. That's kind of you to say, but I do. It like, it's always like, a day yeah. for a child when you realise 
your parents are, are human. I think parenting feels a lot like winging it, doesn't it? Yes. Like, if we're honest, like parenting, you are winging it on a day-to-day basis. But your like, kids don't know that. Your kids don't know that, but you feel like you're just trying to do your best and you're scrabbling to do the right thing. Mm. And sometimes that doesn't always work out, but I guess your kids don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that day, the day that the illusion breaks... I don't think it will break. I think I'll always think of you as the hero. Oh, I blimey, hope so. I'll keep telling him I'm a legend until, until yeah. he picks it out. I'll keep telling I'll just him. Just whisper it in his yeah. ear. Go no, on. I'm going to tell him the opposite. I'll be, he's just pretending. <laughs> <laughs> he's a piece of shit. <laughs> That's funny. What about you? Um, I am worried about my kids finding out all the crazy shit I got up to, especially things like promiscuity and stuff like that. Yes. It's almost like a red, you know, a. A kind of carte blanche to say, here you go, this is what I did, you can do it too. That's the worry. That is the worry. I do get scared about that. And I think it might, they might think I'm a bad person and and then I'm kind of influenced on them. I do worry about all these things. There's a lot that I did that I'm not proud of. Again, I was under the influence, so I don't blame Mm. myself and I don't have any regrets. But at the same time, they're not things I want my kids doing. So I want them to to learn from my mistakes, but I'm not sure, as we've talked about, I'm not sure how I'm going to get that across to them. I don't know if that is how teenagers deal with information i think yeah. if you're if we, when we were 15 if we found out our parents were party animals yeah we would probably have wanted to be party animals or like thought maybe in some way that would do them proud yeah like, whereas now if you found out maybe you'd learn from a mistake it's so true i remember as a kid there was always that one party house i think we've mentioned it on the mm. podcast before there were some parents who would let you smoke spliffs yeah, in their living room yeah, yeah. and actually the the house that uh, that was as a kid their son recently died of a heroin overdose Wow. I totally agree with you there. If you, if you are from that house where your parents are saying, yeah, it's all right if you smoke and drink and la, 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 I don't know if the results of that are good. Mm. And that's almost like giving over everything you've done and saying it's okay. Whereas you've got to have some discipline with kids and you've got yeah. to show them the right path, I think. And that's so therefore you do want them to know the truth, but it's just how do you sprinkle it on them without them being affected yeah. or doing the same thing? It's really hard. I hope that my kids don't get bullied at school because their mum has nine fingers. That would be. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think kids are bullying about that. Uh, I worry that that's what I mean by that. I just mean that I hope if they do listen to this, or I worry that they might be embarrassed by me. Yeah, that is a big concern of mine. Mm. Like my email being drunk mummy, sober mummy. I do feel a little bit like, is that okay? And and are my kids going to be ashamed of me? I think that. Either way, our kids are going to be embarrassed by us. Okay, good. Whatever we do. You like dancing. Yeah. Any parent that dances is going to be embarrassing for their kids. True. I don't think what you do for a job will be the reason they're embarrassed. Particularly so, given mm. like you, you, what you do for a job is like a feel-good story. Like it's a, it's a success story. Yeah, I'm trying to make up for it a bit. Plus, most people's parents have dull jobs. Yeah. My mum is a podcaster and an author. Yeah. <sighs> Sweet. Okay, Interesting yeah. to me. Okay, that's true. That's true. I'll go with that, Hamish. I that's, like that. Yeah. I like podcasts and all that. That makes me sound quite intellectual. And TED Talk, we said a recently. TED Talk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One day. Yeah. You never know. I do want them to sort of see that I didn't like myself at parts, you know, throughout my life. There were times, and I think that could have a good influence them on them if I talk about it mm. in the right way. But I do worry that they will see that drinking was how I had fun in those days, and I worry about them copying it. I think that is a conversation that you hold back until they experience it. Yeah. I don't know how you would start a conversation about times in my life when I was unhappy with myself. But yeah. if they went through that patch, at least you could say, yes, I've, I know what this is like. Yeah. 
our experience is different to yours, but I've been there. I think that's when you sort of keep this library of stories to yourself and then you can yep. share them when they're experiencing And it's like what you say, because then you have to change it from the hero, Dad, don't you? It's like you want to be this solid structure for as long as humanly possible yeah. and then show your vulnerabilities when they need that's you it. to. The yeah. hero dad is not perfect. The no. hero dad is yeah, actually, as a own, concept, yeah. is kind of messed up as well. Yeah, because nobody's a hero. Not human, yeah. No, exactly. So, yeah. It's sweet that you think that, though, about your dad. But at the same time, you could see how that could be counterproductive. Yeah, I've yeah. not shared lots of that type of conversation with my dad. Yeah. Because he's, yeah, the hero. Yeah, because dad. he is the hero. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. I do worry that they find me boring and that they might go to other people's houses as they grow older where people are having parties yeah. and having fun. I, I think maybe they'll come home and go, oh, Mum, why don't you stay up late and do crazy things and things? I do wonder that, but... As a child, I know that I didn't really like my parents doing that because I used to come downstairs on a weekday and be like, mm. Mum, can you turn the music down? Because yeah, yeah. they'd be out having a party with their mates. And, you know, I didn't like that as a child. So I hope they'll like more stability mm. in their youth as well. Yeah, and I just worry about that comparison to other parents. There's many things I'm worried about, Hamish, from that question. There's lots of things that pop up. Like, I do worry that my past is going to have a, a negative influence on my kids. Yeah. But as we discovered, if we don't tell them, it might make them think that keeping secrets is okay. And then in turn, that will cause our kids to hide their drinking and us parents then have a bigger problem on our hands. We feel like we have no idea what's going on with our kids and they're not communicating to us about problems and choices. That is it, snowballing, yes. isn't it? That's, yeah. that's sort of the worst scenario. That's the spider web of lies, getting yeah. you getting all caught up in it by then, isn't it? Mm. So I know what you're going to say, Hayne. What? is option two. Okay, so I'm going to give you option 2A and option 2B. Okay, great. So 2A is you tell them everything. Mm -hmm. 2B is that you sprinkle them with the highlights, the stuff you think might help them, but you don't go into the time you puked on someone's legs at a ski resort in Austria. What I mean is you leave out the more cringy bits that they don't need to know. Okay, and I did puke on someone's legs at a ski resort in Austria. (laughs) I, I blamed the altitude. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would have done. Not the glue vine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going with 2B. Honesty with a bit of bullshit included. That's it. Yeah. So why is being mostly honest about your past better for your kids? So we sort of touched on it just then, but this idea that you'll be more relatable. Yeah, okay. You have lived a life. You've had some experiences. They can then feel more comfortable sharing those experiences with you and you can connect at the good times and the bad. And also your kids will know it's okay to make mistakes. Yes. Your kids will also, we hope, trust you. I think trust is built on sharing vulnerabilities and sharing experiences and hopefully you'll get a deeper level of trust through sharing these nasties. The nasties, (laughs) Your past has shaped you into the parent you are. Well, that is so true. You know, I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing right now if I hadn't been a big party girl or a binge drink or any of these things. So... You've got to be proud of your past in some respects, even if you did do stupid things. It definitely makes you, especially if you're sober, it turns you into a, you know, a solid sober parent, which is a good thing. Absolutely. There's no reason to be ashamed of the situations that taught you something. That's exactly. similar to that mistakes idea. Yeah. It's not really a mistake if you learn something from it and change your life. Totally. Your kids will understand you and your decisions better. You're a human and your kid will be able to see you as such. That is both my fear And probably a goal. Yeah, so true. I mean, your kids being able to understand you a little better from the stories that you tell is a way of getting a closer relationship with them, isn't it? 
your kid will feel more comfortable sharing with you because of that, mm-hmm. which is really important. And that's what it is. It's again, we're coming back to those lines of communication, aren't we? If you're keeping the conversation open, no matter what it is about, then therefore you are having a better relationship with your child. Therefore, they're going to be more open with you. And I think our generation will be the generation that starts doing that more than ever. I hope so. I think so. as close as we all are with our parents, we probably haven't had those conversations. No. And I think we're very aware of it and we're not as stoic and as stiff upper lip as that generation. And we're probably, we might even be the generation of oversharing with our kids probably, and then yeah. they'll correct <laughs> yeah. it with their kids. But yeah, I can see that happening for us. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like yeah. being overly emotional, like nowadays, like people understanding that sharing is going to, you know, better out than in mm. is a way that we're all going to communicate better with our children. I think, I think it's great. Yeah. Like it's never going to be, I mean, there is something to be said for over talking and sitting your kids down and having family meetings and all of those things that they tell you to do in therapy. Mm. I think they're good. Yeah. I do. The final one is that it's always better that your kid hear the truth from you. Damn it. It's all my hopes and... Oh, I know. Yeah, Why can't somebody else say it? Hopes and dreams. <laughs> I was just going for the full lie. The full lie is, is an appealing option. Yeah. Mostly, not lying is simply a healthy act of self-love. Ugh. Is that what you do, healthy acts of self-love, when you're That's in the booth for privately. too long? Yeah. <laughs> That's why your cushion's a bit sticky. <laughs> lying won't make you feel good. And if you don't feel good about something, your kids will feel that. We all know lying about stuff doesn't sit well so stop it yes stop it i'm saying that to myself lose a lot of sleep over little lies that you told yeah so how do we honestly talk with our kids about booze i understand now i can't tell them not to do it it's kind of too fibby and hypocritical and they have to find their own path somehow but what are some healthy conversation starters well before they're teenagers the best thing to do is talk about alcohol in relation to health in a natural conversation when it comes up. So they know, for example, that eating apples is good and drinking is not good for you. But as they get older, you may need to get that honesty box out and pour the contents all over your kids, Vic. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Do you wish your parents had spoken more to you about the dangers of alcohol? Yeah, this is a funny one because my parents drank, obviously, and everyone I was growing up around, my brothers and sisters were all older than me, my oldest sister being sort of 14 years older than me. So she was a teenager by the time I was born. So all I saw was people drinking and I could see that that's what I should be doing too. I was never really told not to drink, but I guess until I got to an age where I was allowed, which was probably 16, I did sneak it in. I didn't want my parents to know I was drinking because I knew I got in trouble. So I'm saying my parents did drink and they partied a lot, but they never like gave me alcohol as a kid. I was always stealing it from the garage. And it was everywhere in my house. Like we would booze trips over to France as a teenager. We'd come back in the Citroen with the exhaust, kind of dragging along the auto route because it was full up with cheap beer from the Super U over there. Isn't it weird that it's something that you see every day but you never really talk about? Yeah. Just booze is this thing that is normal in your house. Yeah, it's but everywhere. There's never a conversation about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we ever had a conversation about mm. why alcohol is in the house all the time and why anyone drinks it. Mm. That has never ever come up in my family. It was just like you sort of come of age and then you're able to join in. And that was it. I'd started to join in probably at about 16. But of course, I'd been sort of partaking in it long before that. I don't think I've had conversations about why people drink alcohol until I was sober. No, I don't I... think I've ever had a conversation why do people drink alcohol? 
I don't think I have. Drinking. I don't think I had until I turned 40, until I started to suffer with panic induced yeah. from alcohol intake. Mm. I never, ever questioned it, and I never questioned my parents about it. I guessed I wasn't allowed to get drunk because your parents don't want you getting mm-hmm. drunk. But I remember from a very early age, from 14, my parents picking me up from a birthday party and being sick in my dad's car and mm. not getting in trouble for yeah, it. Yeah. And then kind of going, oh, ha, ha, here she is, like, joining, joining mm. the crew. So there was never a serious conversation about alcohol in my house or the dangers of it. I think that's what I missed out on as a kid, which is something I would like to change with my kids. I was never told not to do it. I remember very clearly once stealing some bottles of wine from the garage when a mate was over and getting in trouble for it. And my parents saying to me, like, you're not allowed to steal alcohol from the fridge. That's not from the garage. That's not allowed. And I remember thinking how strange that that was that they're telling me off about something that they do all the time. And I remember them sending my friends home and being in really big trouble. But I found it really, really confusing. So I think that's what it was, really. It was a very confusing message growing up as a teen. I was surrounded by people that were drinking, but sort of knew that I wasn't allowed to, but I didn't really know why. So it kind of messed with my brain a bit. So, of course, the only option was just to join in. What about you? Well, other than my mum always saying you don't have to drink to have fun, which I actually included in my wedding poem. And I'll tell you the line because I'm quite proud of this line. I said, you don't have to drink to have fun. That's mum's number one. Fun to mum is not fags, bags and rum. It's family, friendship and food in your tum. Oh, yes, that's that's very mumsy. I love it. (laughs) Um, So other than that, that line, which was constantly repeated, I think really they just set a good example. So they didn't feel like we were about to sit down and have this conversation. Mum was asking questions about how much my friends drank. Mm. She was always like, oh, it was awful. You know, we saw ex-mate last night and they were drunk. It's so Mm. awful. So I guess it was always framed as a terrible thing. She has always hated it because it's a lack of control. And she thinks it's it's ugly. You know, she thinks drunkness is ugly. I tend to agree um, with her there. Which, I think. Yeah, I guess yeah. it is. Um, and it's you know, and I think maybe she they see it as childish or, yeah, we didn't have huge conversations other than we don't really drink. You don't have to drink to have fun. If your friends are drinking a lot, it's ugly. I guess we that was about as far as it got. So it's interesting, but it's also because there's a little bit of a sense of shame in there. Mm, Like your parents thought that perhaps the people that were drinking were kind of a bit naughty or a bit out of control. There's no empathy for why. There's no empathy. There's no like backstory there, which is which is what that generation, my parents as well, it's very very different. Whereas my parents would have gone, oh, he's had a few and thought it was quite funny. Mm. Whereas your parents are like, oh, you know, scared for that child and and like, well, what's going on there? And and there's a little sense of shame as 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 if they're very naughty. It's interesting the difference Mm. in opinion and how you grow up around alcohol depends on your opinion of it later on in life. Mm Yes, yeah, so Hamish, I think it is really good that your parents did set somewhat of a healthy example yeah. by telling you the dangers of it. Yeah, so in order to stop some of your kids being the one who's drunk out on the street, here are some ways to keep those lines of communications open and make sure that you become a good listener. Yes, so you can keep setting a good example. If you're listening to this podcast, maybe sober, you might be sober curious, be definitely thinking about it. Um, and you can just set that example. Even if your kids don't seem to be hearing what you say, studies show that parents really do influence teens' behaviours. Yes, so like true. George, he's listening more than you think he's he listening. He's listening, he's listening. It does scare me a bit. He does say he wants to have alcohol-free beers when he grows up, and I think I'd be all right with that. 
Yeah, you know, that would be good. That's cool. That'd be a good result, wouldn't mm. it? If he can be strong enough to know that he doesn't need to drink and that he can just have alcohol-free beers on a night out with his mates. Talk with them about the good reasons not to drink. Things such as drinking as a young age can lead to alcohol problems later. Things like teens who drink are more likely to be sexually active earlier and to have unprotected sex. Mm, I think that actually might yeah, be turned yeah, on. Yeah. I'm like, say, oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah. Alcohol means <laughs> more sex young. Sex. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell teenage boys that one. <laughs> don't that, do that one. Yeah, don't do Undo that one. Because <laughs> <one. laughs> they're not going to care about that. Teens who drink are more likely to have problems in school. Very true. I mean, my um, attention at school when drinking came on the scene, it was gone yeah i didn't care about my education all i cared about was what i was doing at the weekend and where we were going to get alcohol from and what was going to happen next i did not care about my education anymore mm-hmm. yeah scary hey that is scary drinking can hurt athletic performance like we spoke about last episode yeah and drinking before 18 is actually illegal so you can get in trouble for it although anything like that you don't at that age yeah if you tell me that like cool opportunity yeah. to rebel yeah Totally. It's funny, isn't it? I don't know if any 17-year-old who said you can't drink because it's illegal would be like, fair enough, rules are rules. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Um, And of course, drinking can lead to long-term brain changes. But again... We're going to do an episode on this. We're going to do an episode on... No, not brain. Oh, all of our episodes. Your are tiny about brain. brain. But I want to do... My tiny brain and huge cock. I want to do an episode (laughs) on... Why I think this topic should be taught in schools oh, and yes. how I think it should be taught. Yes. Maybe that episode could help. Because I think that's basically what we're talking about here is how can we as parents teach our kids about alcohol as a subject? And should it even be our job? Should it be a, a, something that our school should be doing? I think you'd be brilliant. You should go into schools, Hamish, and do it. Yeah. Write your manifesto. I like the idea of that. Yeah, okay, I think I that's think, a good idea. I think, you know, it, it won't be heard by most kids. Lots of kids will ignore it, like they do anything in, in school, but some would listen. Like it could really nip a problem in the bud before it starts to some kids. I remember as a teenager, any time somebody came to school and told their story, they are the moments that stick in my yeah, brain. So much more fun than a normal so class. So much more fun than a normal yeah. class. Somebody would come in, no matter what it was, whether it was someone reading a story or somebody with you know, an athletic performance mm. that had been an Olympian or something. If it was somebody's personal story, I used to tune in. It was yeah. the only time my ears pricked up was if it was a truth from an adult. Yeah. Particularly I, if they're an ex-student as well. That always yeah. worked for me. Like, oh, yeah. I was here 10 years ago and this is what I've done since. Yeah. Yeah. I think those things really do work. I think yeah. they have impact. Lecturing about the facts on alcohol and using scare tactics can make teens shut down. But do be clear with your teen and say that you don't want them to drink. If you have alcohol problems in your family, make sure your teen knows this, as it could make them more likely to develop an alcohol problem. It's funny, as we're reading these and like trying to understand them, these are things that I wouldn't have listened to as a teenager, no, which is where is the problem lies, isn't yeah. it? It's like how... I think that's why we're trying to say, like, start early on and start Mm. talking about alcohol and don't lie. Start before they become teenagers so that they trust your information and so that what you say isn't just going to make them do the opposite. Yeah. And what I was thinking, actually, is although we've structured this episode as like a conversation a parent needs to have with their teenager, you'll know as a parent that teenagers probably don't want to hear a lesson from you. So it could be that you can use these to talk to a different teenager, talk to your godchild, yeah. or talk to a teenager that you know that might be going through a problem with drinking, because it might be they don't want to hear it from a parent. Yeah. 
even even speak to their teacher at school about these things like mm. speak to somebody who you know your teen would listen to even their elder brother yeah who if they're a good influence like tell this information if you don't think your kid's going to listen to you maybe they'll listen to their grandparent telling yeah. them this information because yeah. if you've have a if you've got a breakdown of communication and then you go in with this information it's just going to probably scare them even yeah. more and make them rebel even more yeah. so I'm yeah sure. some it's parents will be, be laughing listening yes. to this yeah. going you yeah. don't know my teenager <laughs> any conversation with them is impossible let alone True. one like this and of course Hamish and I don't have teenagers yeah. yet so we're just kind of giving this a go and saying like these are some things you can try but of course we leave it to you to make the best decision for your child plant the seed when they still care what you say that's what we're saying yes. get them early exactly so teens like me wanted to be like and have friends so help yours work through different situations so that they're ready this is where that planning comes into play yes you can plan you can say you can tell them things to say at a party when someone offers them a drink what if someone they're supposed to drive with is drinking brainstorm together and let your teen know they can always call or text you and you will pick them up with no lecturing or punishment yeah, I used to dread calling my dad and yeah. say, like, oh, damn, we've had too much to drink, you come pick us up. But they always were there. Four o'clock in the morning, we used to go to this nightclub in France. My dad would be sat outside that nightclub wow. ready to pick us up every other night on holiday. Yeah. When I was 14 to 18, my dad did that. So that, you don't realise the importance of that. Mm. Having a parent there without any questions to come and pick you up from somewhere. That is, that is one thing you can do to make sure your kid is super mm-hmm. safe. I mean, it's hard work, like being a parent, yeah. not saying it's going to be easy. If they decide they're going to drink, no matter what you say, what can you do then? Well, if you've not lied and fulfilled all of the above, I think your kid will be honest with you. You just have to create a safe space for them and monitor their intake. And if it gets messy and there is puke in the bush outside the school disco, <laughs> then talk to them about it instead of being angry. Use those open lines of communication. Hopefully, the hangover will be so bad, they'll be put off forever. Yeah, that's the plan. Wishful thinking, isn't it? Wishful thinking, yeah. We did a little poll on Cuppa. Poll or pole? Pole? Pole. (laughs) Paul? I think you'll go with pole. (laughs) Paul? I did a poll on Cuppa and asked the members what they will do. So weird. 2% said they will tell them nothing. Mm. 46% said they'd be 100% honest. 31% said half honest with a sprinkling of bullshit. Yeah. 17% said they'd talk about this topic rather than go into personal detail. So talk about alcohol as a topic yeah, okay. rather than about their past experiences, which I think was a good one. 2% said waiting to see what happens. No point freaking them out if they're never going to touch the stuff. Which is a fair point. I do think our kids will be more aware of alcohol than we were. So 46% said be 100% honest. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. That was the majority said 100% honest. Oh, we love our cuppa members. 50% yeah. of them. Look at them. 46% honest. That's a good, that's a good number. Yes. Who are the other ones? I don't know. I might ban them. <laughs> <laughs> Although one comment underneath um, the poll, the poll, <laughs> took my breath away. And it's something we did not cover today. Anna said... I'm not a parent yet, but I plan on telling them everything. I hope to show them there's nothing so bad that it's worth being ashamed of. Now, there we go. So what we're saying is there is like, are our pasts 
really something that we should be ashamed of or not. And mm. and I don't think mine is. I'm not ashamed of my past. So therefore, wouldn't I tell my kids? It's so true because if it is about drinking, it was the booze that was making you act in that way, of course. So and that's what just what you did at the time. You didn't know any difference. So we shouldn't really have any shame about it. And I definitely think if we're open and honest about it and share the downsides openly, we have a chance of changing the culture. Thank you, Anna, for that. That really was a, a highlight, that comment. No shame here about our past. Let's own that shit. Will you own that one night stand that you had with the guy with the wooden teeth, though, Vic? No, I'm not going to own that one. Okay. Own all of it except for one night stands with wooden teeth faced men. Yes. Okay. That's my advice. Clear. Is there anything else apart from avoiding men with wooden teeth, Hamish, that parents can do? Well, parents are role models, even to teens. So set a good example. Regular, honest talks with your kid will help them make good decisions. What we are saying throughout this podcast is talk it out. Find a quiet space to share. Tell them your story. Leave out the really awful bits, but let them know how alcohol has impacted your life. Yeah. Oh, God, I feel like I have a plan now, Hamish. Something in place. I'm basically going to be honest with a sprinkling of bullshit. 2B I'm going for. Will you be honest too? Not that any of your stories are as bad as mine. Um. Yeah, I think I will be. I, I think, think I will, you will be. No, I'm not too ashamed of any of it. I think it's how you present it yes okay. it's not like oh silly old me that time i stole the car you know <laughs> it's it's more like i did really dumb shit you, i think shame's a funny one i think you could say i did really dumb regrettable stuff yeah that i do feel ashamed about you could you could use that word if you wanted to and it was because i'm drunk yes it was because so alcohol if you was want to drink life, yeah. go for it but here's some of the crap you've got in store for you I think you would find it difficult to lie. I think you're yeah, that sort of character where you just couldn't do yeah, it. You could see Which is my a good thing. Face. Yeah, I can see yeah. you you wouldn't be you would shake and sweat. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes a sweaty, shaky <laughs> Hamish, do they? Maybe Liz. Oh god. <laughs> so as Vic and I have discovered today, being honest with your kids about your past will allow them to be honest with you about their own choices. Yeah, and we shouldn't be embarrassed about the things we've done because all those things made us the people we are today. Sober parents that overcame an issue. So be proud, be honest, and tell a few white lies when you need to, <laughs> like the man. Yep, fall on option 2B if all else fails. We hope this episode has helped you make a plan for your kids. We put this question out there to the Cuppa community and the consensus is the same. Honesty is the best policy. Teens will do what they want to. You're supposed to be preparing them for life, but it's hard when they already know everything. You may not be able to control them all the time, but you can leave those lines of communication open so when they need you, you are present, available, and because you never lied, they trust you. Hopefully, with all the changes that are happening on the alcohol-free scene, Vic, our kids won't have to worry too much. By then, with all our hard work, our kids will know about the dangers of drinking booze and that being sober is cooler than doing the Rubik's Cube in under six seconds and finishing a game Monopoly. I don't think I can do the Rubik's Cube in no. under six seconds. Or finish game Monopoly, no. ever. <laughs> I hate Monopoly. Yeah. It's the worst. It needs a time limit. Well, no, actually, my son and um, my husband were playing it this week and they've got a new version of it where okay. they just whack all the money in the middle and then they kind of play for the money in the middle. But it's a bit like gambling. It's probably not it good is, either. It? It's also yeah. like it's such a painful death, Monopoly. Like, yeah, you so know you're long. losing for hours yeah. before you're actually out. <laughs> yeah. There's no coming back from it. No. And with the Rubik's Cube, I just used to take all the stickers off and move them around. Yeah, I yeah. Think most people did that. Yeah, after I'd stolen the car. <laughs> probably stole the Rubik's Cube. Yeah. I did. <laughs> it's a four-year-old looking for its Rupert's Cube in Brighton. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. I've got the old quote, actually. My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. 
Isn't that lovely? That's great. Clarence Buddington Kellard. Thank you, Clarence. What do we know about Clarence? Nothing. I don't know anything about Clarence. All I know is that he had a father and his name is Clarence. Great. (laughs) (laughs) End. Goodbye. (laughs) If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know. Just write it on Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folk. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> you can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book. Even if I do say so myself, Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. 
Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 